Hello, and welcome to the Christwalk Church Podcast. Good morning, Christwalk. How is everybody doing today? It is December. Where has the year gone? I am balder and fatter than I was in January. And um, today is day 301 that I have been the pastor of Christwalk Church. 300. And one. So we are getting close. We are getting close to that one. You guys have tolerated me for nearly an entire calendar year. It is amazing. I am excited about it being December. I am excited about the Christmas season. And I am excited about this series that we are going to be jumping into starting today called The Stories of Christmas. And we're going to take a look at some of the different stories that the Bible shares Um, about the Christmas season, about Advent, and how those things apply to our lives. And so if you've got your Bibles I want to, uh, or a smart device, I want to invite you to turn with me or swipe with me to the Gospel of John. The Bible is divided up into these two big chunks. You've got the Old Testament at the beginning, and then you have the, the second chunk is the New Testament. And there's four books at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we refer to those as the Gospels. Gospel means good news. And the reason those four books are good news is because they tell the story of Jesus. And so we're going to be looking and in the first chapter, at the very beginning of that fourth gospel, the gospel of John. So um, go ahead and turn there to chapter one, and we will jump in there in just a moment. Uh, recently, um, one night, I guess it was this past week, uh, Sarah and Luke had gone to um, a soccer game at the middle school which left me to be with my nine-year-old daughter, Avery. And we had a little daddy-daughter date, which is her favorite thing, because she loves her daddy second only to Jesus. She loves her daddy, and she will tell everybody. I guarantee if you see Avery, for those of you that know her, you can go and ask her, um, whose princess are you? And she will say, my daddy's. And so she knows. She's been trained from, from an early age. And so um, she, has been, she has been begging um, for the longest time to go to Target and to buy some uh, Christmas presents for her mother and her brother. And so while they were out at the soccer game, we decided to do that. And it really gave her an excuse to ask for something that she needed or wanted on every aisle that we went up and down. It didn't matter what it was. Like, I mean, even in like the toiletry section, like she had to have a new toothbrush and needed some deodorant. And, you know, at every single aisle, oh, dad, what do you think about this? I think I need some of these. I'm like, Avery, you don't wear dentures. You do not need polydents. But she was, you know, she was committed to finding something on every aisle. And we got home that night. And since we had been out and, you know, the time change and everything, um, we weren't expecting to be out as late. And so we got home and all the lights were off, right? You know, and, and you, you've probably had this happen to you before and nobody was home and, and you didn't leave the porch light on or anything and there was no lights turned on in the house because you've been gone all day long and everything. And so I just fumbled around with the key in the dark, you know, trying to find the keyhole and I got the door open and I swung it wide and I said, well, go on in. And Avery, she just froze. And I was like, honey, what, just going in the house. And she was like, I ain't going in there. 
why not, Avery? This, this, is our, this is our house. Like, we live here. She's like, Dad, it's dark in there. You need to go first. And so, you know, being the strong man that I am, I walked in for my princess, Avery, and I turned on the light, and then she was okay to come in. But it was that moment where even though it was something that she was familiar with in the dark, didn't look quite right. It didn't look like what she thought it should look like. And it caused her to, to doubt and to question and to have some apprehension about the surroundings that she found herself in. And for you and I, this is often the, the state of the world in which we live. There are things that, that crop up from time to time that we say, wait a minute, this does not look the way that it should look. I don't know if I'm comfortable being here. I don't know if, if I'm okay with being a part of these kinds of surroundings. Something needs to be done about this. I am unsure. I'm uncertain. This doesn't look right to me. It doesn't make sense. And you know what I'm talking about. Like, just turn on the news, right? Turn on the news and we hear constant stories about the political divide in our country. Story after story about racism. Here recently, we've, we've, um, we've delved into all of these stories of natural disasters, of these fires in California. And, and then the ravages of the hurricanes here on the East Coast. And the things that, that we deal with there as Americans. And, and the things that we're afraid of. And, and, and stories of terrorism. And I, I read a story this, this past week that, that this year alone already, the United States has experienced 18 mass shootings. Some of them in a, a bar in California, in, in a synagogue in Pennsylvania, you guys um, know about, but there's others. And, and 18 of these were, were um, when four people, four or more people were shot and killed. And then there's several others where, where three people were shot and killed and then a number of, of uh, homicides and, and other things that, that we don't hear about. But 18 mass shootings already this year. And that's what we turn on. That, that comes through our TV into our living rooms on a nightly basis. And you and I, we log on to social media and we see a debate taking place both around the digital water cooler and then as well as at work with our employees and in the, in the aisles of the grocery store. And, and, and we, we, we hear people debating uh, back and forth over things like the Religious Freedom Act, over gender identity issues, gay marriage, LGBT adoption rights, abortion, the death penalty, euthanasia. And we look up and we see that this world that we've been placed in, all of a sudden, it doesn't look like what we hoped it would look like, what we think it should look like. And we realize that we're standing in the middle of some things that we're not entirely comfortable being in. We see that the darkness has come in and enshrouded itself around us, and we're really not quite sure what to do about it all. The world in which we live today is indeed a dark place in need of redemption. But it's really not all too far different from the way the world looked on that very first Christmas 
some 2,000 years ago. And under the cover of night, a baby came to Bethlehem to set something in motion that would change the world forever. And so for the next few minutes today and then over the coming weeks, I want to talk to you about the stories of Christmas and kick it off by us looking at this idea today. A little rhyme I put together to help us all remember. Before the world began, the gift of Jesus was God's plan. Before the world began, the gift of Jesus was God's plan. And it was in the midst of that darkness that Jesus came to us as a baby who would grow up to become a man, who would die on the cross for you and for me so that we could be forgiven of our sins. That's the story of Christmas that we're going to share in over the next several weeks together. All right, so if you're ready, um, let's, let's take a look at the Gospel of John chapter 1. Now, John is not one of the synoptic Gospels um, that, that theologians and, and um, uh, students of the word that they would call that. So you've got Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and we call those the synoptic gospels. That's a fancy word for meaning that they contain a lot of the same stories, a lot of the same um, accounts of, of different things. And, and they begin their account of telling the story of Jesus in a much different way than what John does. And John kind of starts his story not at Bethlehem when Jesus comes to earth as a baby, but he starts his story of Jesus in a much different place. So let's jump in together um, over these first few verses of this chapter, and then we're going to break this down as we go through it. And I think that there's some things that the Lord is wanting to reveal to all of us this morning um, about Jesus coming to the earth and what that means for you and for me. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says this. In the beginning, there was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, this is particularly unique to John because he introduces Jesus not as this baby, not as a person. Instead, Jesus is introduced to us as the Word. All right, so that is the title that is ascribed to Jesus. And as we begin to read this, we don't really realize yet that it is Jesus that he's talking about. We'll discover that in a few verses from now. But John, he is painting this picture and he says, in the beginning, there was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now, when, when you and I think of Jesus, we probably think about, you know, little eight pounds, six ounce Newborn baby Jesus with his golden fleece diapers. You know, we probably think about that. Or we think about a man that's walking on the water out to a boat filled full of 12 disciples that are, that are um, shaking in their boots because they think he's a ghost. Or we think about the pictures that we've seen of a man um, with, with his guts ripped open and, and hanging out and, and with a crown of thorns on his head and he is bleeding and he has been nailed to a splintery, rough, and wooden cross. Those are the, the images that pop into our head when we think about Jesus. But John, he gives us this entirely different picture, this entirely different perspective on the person and the nature of Jesus by introducing us to him as 
the word. And there's some interesting things about what John introduces to us because the first thing that he says to us about the word is that in the beginning there was the word. All right, so that's interesting because let's think about the beginning. Like, when is that, right? Like, when is the beginning? Is it, is it Genesis 1? Is it when the Bible began? Is it, is it when, when we see the account of the creation story being written? No, the beginning is much, much further beyond that. So, so let's just imagine, like if we can, and I know that this is like, this is a big scope, and, and, and I've really kind of wrestled with the scriptures over the past few weeks preparing for this message, and, and this, is a, this is a hard thing for us to, to really comprehend as humans because we think in so much time. You know, we think in how things exist in our, in our current world and in, in time and in hours and minutes and seconds, but, but the beauty of what John is communicating here is, is as far back as we can think, let's say like a billion years before creation, if we could possibly fathom in our finite minds to go back that far, that Jesus was there. And that that, in fact, was not his beginning. It doesn't say that in the beginning there is the word. It said in the beginning that there was the word. So as far back as we could possibly go, he was already there. He has no beginning. He has no end. And Jesus Christ, the the message and the story of Christmas, the thing that I came to proclaim to somebody today is that he stepped out of eternity and came to be with us. That is what the gospel of John communicates, that in the beginning there was the word, that, that he was already there from the beginning. When our beginning began, he was already there long before us, and he'll be there long after us because he is the eternal God. The second thing, the word was with God. So he is different than God the Father. He is distinctly different. And the office that Jesus holds, the the role that he plays inside of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it is distinctly different from those other two offices. So he was with God, but John quickly clarifies, not only was he with God, but the word was God. That is important for us. He wasn't just there as a bystander with God as God created the heavens and the earth way back in the beginning. He wasn't just with God. He was also God himself. That is how John introduces us to the person of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, all things were made by him and nothing was made without him. This lets us know that Jesus was active in creation. Everything that you and I see around us, everything that we have known or will ever known to exist In this world that we enjoy, all of us, even every single one of us in this room, all of the things that we hold near and dear, Jesus was responsible for their creation. He was the very words that God spoke. So think about that. Jesus in his purest form all the way back before the beginning was the very desire of God. 
And that as God spoke the things that he desired, through the power of the Holy Spirit, those things came into existence because of Jesus Christ. And the simple fact that you and I are here today is evidence that Jesus Christ is at work in our lives. Because all things, including us, were made by him and nothing was made without him. All right? Verse four. In him there was a life and that life was the light of all people. In him there was life, and that life was the light of all people. Now, let's, let's think about this for a second. If, if, if we really get down to it and we want to look at the science-y part of things, it's true that without light, us humans, we would not have life. Consider the way that, that light makes a difference in our life or that, that light brings life to us. Number one, um, light is what allows us, as we absorb it into our skin, it produces vitamin D in our bodies that develop our bones and, and cause our bodies to grow. So the very foundation, the very framework of our human bodies is dependent upon light. We're also dependent upon light for warmth. The sun shines on the earth and we are made warm. It's, it's what makes life in this, in this globe possible. It's what allows life to happen. The light is what gives you and I vision. Not just so that we don't step on that Lego in the middle of the night when we get up to go to the bathroom. That's not what I'm talking about. But also just so that, that we can see the glorious creation that God has given us. It takes light to enter our eyeballs and then do all the science stuff that it does back in the back. I don't know. That's a question for Jim Chamberlain, not for, not for me. You'd have to ask him. He's the optometrist. He knows, he knows how all that happens. But light enters our eyes and it causes us to be able to then see the things that are around us and to enjoy this creation that Christ has provided for us. Light is utilized by plants. Through photosynthesis, they convert the light into energy, which causes growth. And then you and I eat those plants, except for romaine. We don't eat romaine. Not at all. All the other plants right now we eat, or better yet, pig eat plant, meat eat bacon. That's, that's what I'm talking about. It's the food chain, right? Like we are dependent, the plants are dependent on the light so that they can grow, so that we can either eat the plants or so that the meat can eat the plants and we can eat the meat, all right? I want bacon like right now. Like I just felt the Holy Spirit just rise up inside of me and I can hear it like sizzling on the griddle. You know, light is also utilized for our healing. When my daughter Avery was born, she was, she was jaundice. And um, that's where you have too much bilirubin in your system. All right, that's as much of that as I know. I just know it ain't good. All right, I don't know what else happens or what, but, but this is what I know that they did. They, they took her and they put her on this little tanning bed 
in the nursery. It was like this little, this little light thing that she laid on, and, and that healed her of, of the jaundice. She was wearing like these little sunglasses, you know, just like two days old, and it was the coolest thing ever. And that, that light, that light healed her body. Of the, it, it drew out the poison out of her body and caused her to be healed. There, there are people right now that during this time of year, they're living in Alaska, and the, the days up there when, when they experience light are very, very short because of the area of the, of the world in which they live, and they suffer from this thing called seasonal depression. And the way that they treat that seasonal depression is that these people that have special lights, that, that when they're inside, they turn these lights on, and it, it shines these lights on their bodies and on their faces, and it helps them to cope with this depression of the fact that there's only two or three hours of, of sunlight during the day. And I recently read about this, this study that was done in some hospitals across the country. And, and the way that the, the, the hospital floors were positioned and, and that they had, they had patient rooms on one side and patient rooms on the other. And, and, and some of the patient rooms got a lot less sunlight than, than, than the, the ones on this side. And, and they, they discovered that the patient rooms that got the most sunlight, that those patients were healing faster. And they were being discharged earlier because there is just something about us humans that we just depend on the light to come in so that we can have the life that God intended us to have. And Jesus Christ, the very, the very core, the very fiber of his being, his very nature is that in him there was life and that life was the light of all people. This is no coincidence in how this is happening. Light equals life for you and me. And the crazy thing about all of this is that you can go back into the earliest record that we have to the beginning in Genesis 1. Now watch this. In Genesis 1, chapter 3, God said, or in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then we keep reading, and we discover that 11 verses later in verse 14 is where God creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, wait a minute. The sources of light that you and I know were not created until 11 verses after light was spoken into the universe. There had to be a source for that. And that source was Jesus Christ, who is the source of our light today. He has been the source of light all the way back from the very beginning. And he is the source of light that comes to you and to me to bring us life during this Christmas season. This is cool stuff, right? This is awesome. Verse five, I love this. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overpowered it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overpowered it. It does not matter how thick the darkness may be. Even the smallest of lights will dispel the darkness. You can, you can be somewhere and, and it, can be, it can be dark all around you, but there could be like a street light on like, you know, a thousand yards that way. And you can see that tiny little glow. 
in the midst of all of that because there, it's, that is the property. That is the very nature of light. Like any time there is light present, darkness cannot be present. And what, what this passage communicates to us is that, that though our enemy, the devil, he operates in death and he operates in darkness, that you and I, we, we serve a God who deals in light and life. And the darkness that this verse is communicating here, it's, it's not just an absence of light that we're looking at here in verse 5. It's actually the, the active rejection of God's will. It is a hostile darkness that opposes the divine working of light in the world. It's sin. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about sin. But the good news for you and me today that this verse and this passage shares with us is that there has never been a time, nor will there ever be a time when the darkness of sin will ever be able to overpower the light of Jesus Christ. Because of his work on the cross, sin once and for all has been defeated forever and ever and ever. And because he rose from the grave, hell has been defeated. Death has been defeated and the light is shining brightly today. And you and I have access to that light that brings us life. And here's how I know. Because we skip all the way down from verse 5. To verse 14. It's my favorite verse in this whole passage. The word became a human and lived among us. The very word of God, which spoke all things into existence, became skin and bone and pitched his tent in the midst of that which he had created. Jesus did not stand at the door of the world looking at all of the darkness of sin and refused to enter. But instead, he stepped into the darkness so that through him, you and I and the world might be redeemed. Just let that sink in for a minute. Jesus didn't pull an Avery and go, hmm, I'm not too sure about that. That doesn't look like what it's supposed to look like. I'm not comfortable there. He said, no, that's where I need to be. And he stepped into the midst of the darkness of the world. Not only on that first Christmas, but on this Christmas as well. He is still stepping into the darkness that you and I experience. And why is it that around the holidays, it seems like the darkness that we deal with seems to be magnified, seems to be exacerbated, right? Every time around this season, we start to focus on the areas of our life in which we lack. We see the television commercials and we see our friends and neighbors and we see all the things that they have and it reminds us of all the things that we don't. And the darkness comes in. Or we're reminded of that loved one that we've lost or 
that thing that we had that we no longer have anymore that once brought us great joy, but now it's no longer here. And the darkness comes in. Maybe we begin to doubt. Or maybe it's fear. Maybe we've been abandoned. We find ourselves in a lonely place and, and the darkness has come in because it's only magnified and exacerbated by the holidays. Everyone else is surrounded with their families their friends, their loved ones, and we have nobody. Some people in this room today, you're carrying hurt. You're carrying bitterness. You're wrestling with anger, hatred, depression that are only made worse, only made compounded when we find ourselves in this most holy of holidays, the Christmas season. And oftentimes, to deal with that, we, we turn to various vices and addictions, hoping to just numb the pain, hoping to just make it through just one more day, just one more week, just can we, can we get past New Year's? And for a lot of us, we find ourselves completely and totally broken. What you need to know today is that the same Jesus who came to shine a light on the darkness of the world 2,000 years ago has come once again to shine his light in the dark places of our world today. Jesus didn't shy away from entering the dark world. He is not afraid of your situation. He is not concerned about getting in your mess. He's willing to get right in the middle of it that thing that you're carrying, that thing that you're struggling with, the thing that you're wrestling with, the very darkest, deepest, most nasty place in your life, Jesus is ready, willing, and able to put himself right in the middle of it. No matter what darkness you are facing today, Jesus was there long before it, and he'll be there long after it. He's not, he's not caught off guard by the situation that you find yourself in. He's not, he's not chewing his fingernails off trying to figure out, oh, how am I going to solve this one? How am I going to fix this one? No, he's got it all figured out. It's, it's all according to his plan. He, he has everything under control. He is not worried about how he's going to address your situation. But instead, he has come alongside because he is going to be there to see you through it to the end and on the other side. See, God's intention when he sent Jesus to this earth was not that you and I would remain in the darkness that encapsulates our life, but rather that the opportunity would be extended for you and for I to step into the full light that was brought about through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. This is the hope and the message of Christmas. This is the story of Christmas that the light of Jesus Christ has pierced the darkness of sin so that you and I can receive the fullness of his everlasting life. So my question for you today is where do you need his light? Where do you need his light today? All you and I have to do is simply embrace his light and receive the gift of life that it brings. For some people, maybe it's in your marriage. 
Maybe you need the light of Jesus Christ to come and, and shine brightly upon the dark places of your marriage so that, that life can spring forth and, and healing can begin. Maybe for some it's, it's in your relationships with other people, your kids, your friends, your coworkers. For some of us, maybe it's our jobs. Some of us go to very dark places to make a living. And you and I, we need to depend on the light of Jesus Christ to come and shine in those areas. Maybe for some of us, it's our finances. And it seems like every time it rolls around, there's just way more months than there is money. It's turned into a very dark place for us. And we need the light in the life of Jesus Christ to be made known in those areas. Maybe, maybe for some, someone, it's, it's their health. You're struggling with sickness, with, with pain, with disease. And you need the light of Jesus Christ to shine into that area of your life. And greater still, there's probably a lot of us that the true place where we need the light of Jesus most is in our secret struggles and sins. The things that we don't let other people in on. The things that the people sitting next to us, some of us, maybe even our spouses that they don't even know about. But this could be the year. This could be the time if we allow the light of Jesus Christ to wash over the dark places of our life that we could finally find the freedom that we so eagerly desire. I'm not trying to candy coat things. I'm not trying to make them easier than they are because there's a hard road ahead for a lot of us, but it really is as simple as just reaching up and embracing the light and the life of Jesus Christ. Can we just do that today? Anybody in here that's that's walking through, struggling with some darkness. Can we just do that? Just right here all over this house, just in your, in your own way. Maybe you just want to extend a hand or you might not be comfortable doing that. You just want to go kind of halfway, whatever. Maybe you just want to bow your head, but let's just, let's just receive his light today. I just want to pray over you. And if that's you, I want you to pray along with me and that you would just actively receive Jesus' light and life for your darkness today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for sending your son Jesus and that in him was light and life. Father, I pray in the areas of darkness that our people are carrying, that they're struggling with, Lord, that they would receive your light and the life that it brings today. Lord, do a work in and through them, Lord, and let this Christmas season be different than those past. Let this be the year that they finally get freedom. As light is shed, as things are exposed, Lord, let them walk in the life that is promised through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Before the world began, the gift of Jesus was God's plan. He was the remedy for the darkness brought on by sin then, and he remains the remedy today. And if you're here this morning and you've yet to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've yet to fully embrace the light of Jesus and the life 
that it brings. I wanna invite you to pray this prayer along with me and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's the greatest gift that you could possibly receive this holiday season. And so if you're here today and you would like to do that, I wanna invite you to pray these words along with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe Christ died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. For more information about Christ Walk, please visit us at thechristwalk.com.